0: This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What a privilege it is to be with you this morning and to share God's word. I can think of no greater privilege for man or woman than to have the opportunity to share the word of the Lord. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I hope you do. Will you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1 where we'll begin in verse 1 as we open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1, let me suggest that we should never open our Bibles in silence, but always with a sound of thanksgiving and prayer. Will you pray with me now? Father in heaven, we give thanks to you for your word, for your living word, Jesus Christ, and for our freedom and ability to come together and to share that fellowship in peace and in harmony. Father, now we ask that the words we hear may be your own. Open our hearts and our minds so that we can come to know you more. Thank you for the gift of our salvation and for the certainty that all our prayers are heard when we come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning I'll be using the English Standard Version. Will you stand with me now in honor of God's word as we read from Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge, and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is God's word. Please be seated. Although the Proverbs are clearly instructional, they're not a list of instructions but a compilation of observations. They do not so much say, if you want to be wise, do this, but more urgently they say, the wise do this. And now some 3,000 years after they were written, the Proverbs remain relevant and stand as evidence as the wisdom of God. We're going to concentrate on verse 7 this morning. And to get there, I want you to see the importance of verses 1 through 6, which together with verse 7 form the introduction, the prologue to the book we have before us. They're like a stairway leading the reader to the pinnacle, the most important verse, the one that conveys the theme of this book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I hope you will see before we close today that this verse also defines the reason we have started a school here at Beaverdam Baptist Church. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, what do you think of when you hear the fear of the Lord? There was a time not long ago when it was a compliment to call someone a God-fearing man or woman, but it brings different things to mind today stuffy, biased, bigoted, set in their ways. The preeminent idea would be uneducated, backwards, and dim. But the Bible tells us something quite different. The Bible says this is the beginning of knowledge. And please note the importance of the singularity of the word the in the scriptures here. This is the beginning, not one among many. Not several of a choice. There is only one way. If we are to know, to understand, to get what the Lord has to give, if we are to receive instruction in wisdom and wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, then we must begin with the fear of the Lord. Well, we all need to go to school on this commandment. Because it's life forming, the sooner we get there, the better. As we read this text, it becomes apparent that school is most certainly in session. Chapter 1 sets forth the learning objectives. In the next chapter, the curriculum of study is presented. Turn with me, please, to Chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Well, this is not an open school where, based on our own interests and understanding, we can determine the course of study. There's work to be done here. Understanding is achieved by application of effort in the fear of the Lord. If you receive, if you call, if you seek, then then you will understand. Consider this. The problems we face today, every one of them, can be traced to our failure to comply with the commandment to fear the Lord. Well, What does it mean to fear the Lord? Our instant trouble is with this word fear, isn't it? We think of being afraid, an emotion described in the English language that sadly uses the same name. But the Bible says the fear of the Lord drives away worldly fear. In Proverbs 14, beginning in verse 26, it says the fear of the Lord has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. This fear is the Hebrew word yira. It means full of reverence. It conveys a sense of awe in the presence of God, a sense of trembling in the soul. It demands that we take God very seriously, more seriously than we take any other person, place, or thing. Era conveys a sense of wonder, astonishment, and amazement. A worshiping heart, God is very big, and I am very small. In fearing the Lord, we recognize God for who he is, and we respond appropriately. We are gripped by his greatness, grandeur, and glory. The fear of the Lord is to honor him, to trust him, to obey him, to worship him. There is no such thing as a casual worship service. The only thing we need to be afraid of in fearing the Lord is that we will take him for granted and make him an idol of our own convenience. Derek Thomas is a theologian, teacher, and senior pastor at the First Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. He maintains that we should never use the word awesome to refer to anyone but God himself. If, he says, we describe Ben and Jerry's ice cream as awesome, then what word do we have left to describe God that does not make him equal to ice cream? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and with knowledge comes understanding that God and God alone is awesome. God has laid hold of you. He has foreordained your days on earth. He's molded your path. He has set the date and time for your scheduled departure. Proverbs 19.23 teaches us, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. See, God doesn't have to take your life. He just stops giving it. Well, there's a way of doing church today that is designed to remove the fear of the Lord from our eyes and from our worship service. Instead, church is designed to be comfortable and casual to make people feel like they're at home. Pastors have yielded their flock to the care of worship leaders or service directors who choreograph worship to be laid back and cool, as if to say, we do this every day. There's no need to be excited or anxious. The congregation becomes the audience. The pastor becomes the talent. And going to church today is designed to be more like a visit to Starbucks than a visitation with the king. A few weeks ago, our pastor and I had the opportunity to attend the Commonwealth Prayer Breakfast in Richmond. The featured speaker was Rabbi Zacharias, Dr. Zacharias is perhaps the most well-known apologist since Paul. Each year he travels millions, yes, millions of miles to defend the faith and proclaim the gospel of Christ throughout the world. He's engaged in conversations with princes, potentates, paupers, and presidents, and regularly draws a crowd that outnumbers the attendance at most major league ballparks. As he stepped up to the podium that morning, he told us one of the people seated with him at the breakfast asked him if he was nervous. He said, the day I get up here and I am not nervous is the day that I stop getting up here. A proper holy fear is accompanied by the trembling of the soul. We see this throughout scripture. Consider Isaiah chapter 6 verse 4. Isaiah encounters the living God and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And John on the island of Patmos encountered the risen Lord, Revelation 1.17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. You see, when John encountered the living God, he wasn't laid back he fell dead. Can you imagine what Isaiah saw that day? Can you think? Can you think of something that comes close to the vision that John shares with us in Revelation? No you can't. And that's the point. David Jeremiah explains without the capability of awe where we stand at the edge of ourselves and gaze beyond, we will never come in to his presence. The Bible says, whenever man truly encounter God, it defies description. And there is fear and trembling, and this is the fear of the Lord. And this behavior is pleasing to God. The book of Job opens with his introduction, and in verse 8, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Job was a God-fearing man, and his fear of the Lord was pleasing to God. You know, the miracle of our faith is that not only does God love us so that he gives us the Bible, but also, John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus was a God-fearing man. Isaiah saw the coming of the Lord in this way, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. That's the Lord Jesus. And then he says, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and most of all, notice Notice the pinnacle position of this verse, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. My friends, the miracle of our faith is we don't have to wonder what it looks like to live in the fear of the Lord. All we have to do is look to Jesus and see. The fear of the Lord was the first step in the early church. It's the first step for believers today, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Do you see that word, awe? If you're using the King James Version, it still says fear. This is the word phobos, the Greek equivalent to our old friend yera. Awesome is a word best left to the description of God, and ice cream just might have to settle for good old-fashioned good. Notice, please notice what the ingredients are to grow in the fear of the Lord. Look at verse 42. Teaching, fellowship. Prayer, this is what goes into our instruction every day at Beaverdam Christian Academy, teaching and fellowship and prayer. And I suggest to you that if your school does not maintain these necessary ingredients, it's time to either change the mix or to throw out the batter. In addition, in addition to direction, Proverbs 1 1 verse 7 also gives us the expected results of seeking an alternative education. It says, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools, that is, people who know better but choose not to acknowledge God despite wisdom and instruction. And notice, it's not mere displeasure, it's not something they would simply choose to ignore. Fools despise God's wisdom. Last week, a group of eight U.S. Senators wrote a letter to the Undersecretary of Education, the person responsible for administering the Department's Office of Civil Rights. In the letter, they demanded that the Department, in the spirit of transparency, publish the names of the schools that have applied for an exemption to same-sex legislation, to use the Senator's words in the guise of religious liberty. Proverbs 14, verse 2 tells us, Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. Fools, as these senators have illustrated, are devious in their ways and not only despise wisdom instruction from the Lord, but despise the Lord as well. My father used to say, fools' names like fools' faces are often displayed in public places. Dwight L. Moody was perhaps the greatest evangelist of the 19th century. He was also an exceptional preacher. And although the two remained theologically distant, in 1884 he was invited to speak at the 50th birthday celebration for Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Spurgeon's Metropolitan Tabernacle in London was the largest Protestant church on the planet, often drawing more than 5,000 worshipers to a single Sunday service. And there were five Sunday services. Moody was preaching on the cross and that salvation apart from the fear of the Lord was impossible. And as he was preaching, a man in the back of the church took out a piece of paper and wrote one word, FOOL. He folded the paper and called an usher asking him, deliver, it this, deliver this at once to Mr. Moody. And the usher, not knowing what was in the note, dutifully carried it up to the pulpit where Moody was diligently delivering God's word. Moody unfolded and read the note. Fool the writer stood up and waved at Moody, thus attracting some attention. And Moody stopped in the middle of his message and said, a very strange thing has just happened. I often receive letters from people who forget to sign their names. But in this instance, I've received a message from someone who has signed his name but has forgotten to write the letter. And with that, he waved back at the standing man and continued on. As we grow in grace, we move from information about God to knowledge and wisdom of God. Proverbs 9.10 teaches, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Information grows to knowledge, and knowledge is demonstrated as wisdom. Information is abundant in our world today. Think about this in a manner that was once only described in science fiction. Information on any subject imaginable is available to us at the touch of a button or at the spoken word. And many, many find comfort in this. But information by itself has no meaning we must do something with information to understand it before we can claim it as our own. Knowledge, when left alone, is equally useless. It's only when we put our knowledge to work that we are said to be wise. Wisdom, then, is the objective. Absent the fear of the Lord, there is no knowledge and there is no wisdom Solomon gives us a little primer in wisdom, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. He says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. I never found much help in this verse until I came to the FBI Academy for basic training. My defensive tactics instructor was a veteran FBI agent who once flew F-4 Phantom fighter jets over Vietnam. As he watched us beat one another into submission, practicing the skills that would one day save us from harm, he said, the best way to learn to catch bad guys is to catch bad guys. And that's what Solomon is saying here. Wisdom is an acquired trait, one that has to be honed and grown by diligent attention to the process of obtaining information, working it into knowledge, and demonstrating your knowledge as wisdom. There's a little more to this story that I'll share with you. One of my classmates at the academy, who endured the bruising and beating along with me, came from a family that owned an interest in a shoe company. And after graduation, as, as things happened in the Bureau, we went to separate parts of the country, and I didn't see him again for, for almost 20 years. In fact, I met him the next time at the funeral for the man who taught us how to catch bad guys. And he told me that one Christmas holiday, they vacation in Aspen, don't you know, he told me he shared this story with his father and several of the executives, if you want to catch bad guys, catch bad guys. And inspired by the wisdom of a naval aviator turned FBI agent, the shoe company developed a new ad campaign, Just Do It. Today we're pleased to welcome the family and friends from our school, the Beaverdam Christian Academy. If you ask the BCA students what the Bible is about, they will tell you it's a story about Jesus. You won't get the same answer if you go to our public schools. In 1962, the Supreme Court decided the Engel v. Vitale case, ruling that official prayer had no place in public education. And in the following year, 1963, the Supreme Court handed down another decision, Abington Township School District versus Shemp, and the court declared school sponsored Bible reading and the recitation of the Lord's prayer to be unconstitutional. Look back with me at Proverbs chapter two verse six. Proverbs two verse six for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Think about this. Where do we find the mouth of the Lord? Where can we turn to hear his voice? The students who were with us this morning would tell you that we turn to the Bible. And they would be right. The Bible is the only inerrant source of God's word. Removing the mouth of the Lord from our public schools has yielded expected results. The Apostle Paul warned us of the consequences Romans 3, verse 11. He says, No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In removing prayer and God's word from our school, we remove knowledge and wisdom and understanding as well. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And it shows Here at home, we're fortunate to have teachers, administrators, and staff who are committed to providing our children with an exceptional public education. We're blessed to have good neighbors and courageous representatives who are holding and defending the line. Some of you here today fill these essential roles in our community, and for that we give thanks to you and to our God who sent you to serve him there. But there is a limit to what we in this part of Virginia can do in the world of public education. Times are changing. There's a tsunami of legislative darkness approaching. If unchecked, it will destroy the fragile balance we now maintain in our public schools and all but eliminate the narrowing option for Christians to attend a public school. Secular humanism A worldview apart from God is clearly in control of the national education agenda, and it won't be long until we are forced to either bow down or bow out. Several months ago, a letter to the editor appeared in the opinion section of our local paper. The writer was agitated with our county government for for removing unapproved materials used in the classroom that the writer felt were necessary to promote the free exchange of ideas. Are we not, the writer asked, supposed to teach our children to think outside of the box? This is, of course, world speak for a liberalism that is no longer afraid to be hostile to the Christian worldview. Fools, after all despise God. The ability to think outside of the box is valued in our society today. This much-coveted virtue is in high demand in all areas of our secular world. In fact, it's so precious that in many areas, to include our colleges and universities, we no longer bother to define the box. In fact, we've forgotten what, if anything, was inside the box so that now, by definition, all thoughts are entertained as equal because they are, after all, clearly outside of the box. Last month, a student survey at Yale University elected to repeal our freedom of speech as these prestigious outside-of-the-box thinkers found the the free exchange of ideas to be hateful. The Bible is not silent concerning the wisdom of man. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, Paul reminds us, "Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world?" The leaders of our nation and those that shape the culture have grown up in a world that has abandoned the fear of the Lord. Since then, we've replaced God's word with a box of empty promises. In truth, we have no foundation at all. Don't like marriage? Redefine it. Don't like evil? Ignore it. Don't like the idea that life is a gift from conception and that we are created in the image of God? Abort it. It's quite easy, given the target-rich environment, to condemn public education, but let's not lose sight of who is responsible for this condition. Sadly, our public schools are a reflection of our indifference. They are a monument to our failure to fear the Lord. Everyone in this room over the age of 18 bears some responsibility. No one who is able to vote is without blame. Our public schools quite rightly reflect the culture of the general public. It's been more than 50 years since our schools abandoned the fear of the Lord. For more than half a century, we've been playing school with our children with no hope of knowledge or understanding. Now is the time for we who fear the Lord to be ready. There's a wonderful story in Second Kings. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. A widow is near starvation and is preparing the last meal to share with her sons. And God, by his prophet Elisha, told the widow to get, go to her neighbors and gather as many vessels as possible. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself, and you and your sons pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. God's abundance continued until all the vessels were full. The oil stopped only when the widow had no place to put it. The question before us today is when the famine comes, will we have gathered a sufficient number of vessels to be able to receive God's abundance that will certainly flow? I believe God has great and mighty things in mind for our school. In the 11th verse of the 34th Psalm, King David identifies the foundation of Christian education. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I believe that one day BCA and hundreds of schools like it will make our public schools unnecessary. I believe that God has given us a school to show others the way, a beacon of hope in a darkening world, but we must be ready. We must have our vessels on hand so in his appointed time the Lord may fill them. The fear of the Lord can change the way we do government, the way we do school, the way we do business, and much, much more. The fear of the Lord can change what we do for entertainment, what we call art, how we spend our free time, what we invest in, what we choose to grow. The fear of the Lord is eternal. Look in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. John shares his vision. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. The world will end with those who fear the Lord giving glory to God in the presence of God, and we must prepare our children to meet him there. Before we close, I want to ask you to do something special for our school. I want you to help us gather vessels by ensuring that our school is equipped to meet the certain demands of the future. In your bulletin today, please find the school calendar for February 2016. This is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to pray with me every day for BCA. Our school meets 180 days a year. I'm asking for 29. Our teachers and aides work many, many days more. Please pray every day for BCA. Take this calendar, put it on your refrigerator, put it somewhere where you and your family and friends will see it. Take a scripture and pray the word of God in the fear of the Lord. Pray for BCA every day. When everything is said and done, the world can can be seen as being comprised of only two views. One is centered on the wisdom of the world that has no fear of God before their eyes, and the other is centered on the wisdom of God and the fear of the Lord. One may be found at the wide gate at the end of the heavily traveled road that leads to perdition, and the other may be found at the narrow gate on the road less traveled that leads to the knowledge and wisdom of God. King Solomon asked God to bless him with wisdom and understanding. After a lifetime of observations, Solomon leaves us with this, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man.